Welcome to the Quo, a community of challengers, disruptors, and changemakers. I'm your host, Pyle Patel. Join me as I dive into stories at the intersection of gender, race, and social and economic issues. This podcast series spotlights individuals from various industries, disciplines, and walks of life who are challenging the status quo. Through interesting and thought-provoking conversations, the Quo aims to elevate the voices and stories of endeavoring change agents in hopes of empowering communities and inspiring meaningful change within our society through education, advocacy, and the power of storytelling. Are you ready? Let's get it. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 10. This is the final episode of season one. What? I I don't even know how this happened. This season flew by. I wanted to do 10 episodes as, as the first season. And here we are 10 episodes later. And it's flown by, but what a beautiful journey journey it's been so far. And I'm just so grateful for those who've been tuning in, listening, watching. I'm so grateful to have had you come along for this ride. I've been learning a lot through our guests, and I hope you have too. And I know we're going to learn a lot from today's guest, who's a friend of mine and a fellow UN Women board member. Her name is Bailey, and she is a, a really incredible person who's doing a lot. She's up to a lot of fun stuff, but today we're going to be focusing on one of her businesses. So Bailey's the founder of Candletit LLC. It's a custom candle making business. She started in 2019, but it's no ordinary candle making business. See, she makes candles molded from real breasts, hence candle tit. So it's very clever. And candle tit's mission is to celebrate breast diversity across the gender spectrum with candles made from real bodies. Something that I just, I never would have thought of. It's so cool and I can't wait to dive into what that process is like and, and what she does with that business. While Bailey's full-time job is an SEO strategist, she's also working on getting an advanced pilot's license. Super cool. And like I said before, she serves on the board for UN Women Chicago with me. So we have a lot to discuss, and I want to welcome my friend, Bailey. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining me and being willing to share your story about your business and, um, and Candletip. Yeah, thanks so excited to, talk, to chat with you. <laughs> well, so why don't we just go ahead and dive right into that because I, I think there's so much to unpack with with that mission of celebrating breast diversity. How did you even come up with this this concept of of creating candle moldings out of women's real breasts? Yeah, so um, I was in a store in Chicago and there was a candle there that was made out of a hand. Um, maybe you've seen them before. And for whatever reason, it really bothered me. I'm not sure why. I'm not a candle person myself. I don't actually like candles. I don't buy them for myself. I don't burn them. But it really stuck with me. And for a few hours after I left the shop, it struck me. And I thought, why did they do hands when they could have done boobs? That just made so much more sense to me to have the wick going through the nipple. Um, so initially, it started just as a project, an experiment. Um, so I figured out which type of material to use, and I started experimenting. And it was just kind of a fun thing for me to work on on the side, um, just to be creative and outside of work. And um, you know, the more I told my friends about it, the more excited they got about it. They were asking, where can I get mine done? Where can I buy these? You should sell these. 
And then it really just took off so quickly in so many directions, looking at ways that this could benefit people going through breast surgery, whether it be vasectomy for breast cancer, top surgery, anything like that. Um, but also just a larger discussion of bodies and our differences and being able to um, showcase diverse bodies through a very normal object of candle, right? We see them in people's houses. It's just wax. It doesn't feel uncomfortable. It's not like gooey or, you know, like some other fake breasts might be. Um, so I have some here to show you. So you really can see that the silicone I use is just elicits really hyper-realistic details. You can see these are two different ones. Um, and I can like maybe share pictures later to get more details. Um, but you can see every little detail around the nipple, if there's goosebumps, if there's stretch marks, if there's or anything like that. Um, and so it's really cool to just be able to hold it close. It's not something that you're normally able to do, even when you know your own breast. Um, and to showcase that they don't have to be gendered, they don't have to be sexualized, they can be a beautiful part of the body. They can be other things as well, but we, I think it's important to be able to respect them um, and to also be very aware of health and, um, you know, just taking care of ourselves regularly. So in all of my online orders, I include these breast exam orders, just as a reminder for anyone across the gender spectrum um, to do regular self-exposition to mammograms. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, I love that. Um, and for those who are tuning in from um, a, just an audio platform, you can go to um, the uh, the Quo's social media pages. We'll put you know some information there, and then um, and also go to Candle Tits website. But uh, from what I see, it's really cool because you did really nail down the texture and all of that. How does how do you do that? What's that the molding process like? Yeah, great question. So it's been a long process of about two years so far. I started in 2019, um, experimenting with different types of silicones. Um, you know, different bodies work differently, different positions that people hold create different molds, but that's also, there's a lot of challenges I've kind of overcome in the past two years of molding. Um, so I use a really high quality silicone. Um, and so the process is I go to people's houses where they're most comfortable, they're welcome to bring a friend. And then I help them figure out which position they want to be in, if they want to be sitting or on their hands or knees or laying down, whatever is most comfortable, but also keeping in mind um, like how they want the shape to be in the end, because they do change and certain people have certain preferences. Um, and yeah, so think about that, that like the different body position that we have make if it creates a different um, basically form of your breasts, right? Like I hadn't yeah. thought of that, like lying down is completely different than sitting upright or bending over or whatever. So um, that's interesting that you allow your, your customer to choose what the position is. Yeah, and it kind of depends too on what they want to get out of it. So we, I use a really high quality silicone um, and mold it on. And then after that, I use a plaster cast mold on top of that to make sure it's really set and secure. I bring the mold home and add additional layers of silicone and plaster just to make sure it's really sturdy and it'll last them a really long time. And then from there, so I'm able to create candles, but because I use such a high quality silicone, I can do a bunch of other things with the mold as well. Um, so we're doing, we can do candles, but we can also do resin, concrete. Um, I have a friend who does metal work who can help me turn them into like bronze breasts um, or other types of metals. Um, and then I did a woman this past week and she likes cooking. So she wanted to turn it into some kind of baking sheet. So we're gonna either create a metal or a um, food safe, 
like rubber or silicone. So she'll be able to make jello molds or chocolate molds or whatever her heart de desires. Um, so there's That's a lot really of cool. So it's not just candles. It's even though it started with candles, you've expanded into other potential objects that you can mold from. Yeah. So my core business is candle tit. Um, for custom sessions, I allow a little bit more creativity just so people can get the most out of their molds. But in order to be um, more accessible, I use um, wax and I try to get recycled wax that I source locally so I can keep my prices down. Right now, my prices range from, you know, 10 to $60. So it's pretty accessible to anyone who's interested in, you know, checking out this product and supporting everything that my mission is about. That's really cool. And I do want to correct myself from earlier because I before I, I immediately went to, oh, like, you know, this is such a cool um, concept for for women to to do, but this isn't exclusive to women, right? I mean, you you said that this is across all gender spectrum. So have you had people who are not women participate in molding sessions like in action and try to uh, get a, get a candle made for themselves? Yeah, I have. Um, I had one person who identifies as non-binary and they had been, interestingly, on testosterone for about a year when we did the session. And so the silicone I'd been using at the time wasn't um, hair safe. And so it did end up removing some of their hair. That was one of the, the lessons that I had to learn. But the cool thing with that was when the silicone removed the hair, the hair would then transfer onto candles for, I don't know, six months probably after I had created that mold. Um, so that was kind of an interesting, unique experience. So I let people know if they want that, then we can, you know, try to recreate that. Um, but yeah, I've had several people who identify as male interested in doing sessions, but I haven't had any of them officially take me up on it yet. So interesting. Okay. Um, well, so the process itself, how long does it take? And I mean, is it like, so you take the wax, is it something that you just try to like, apply to the shape and then and then do you do you sit there or wait for a little while before it actually molds the way yeah you so i um i mix the silicone together so there's a prop there's like a prep process to that um and then i put a glove on my hand have the model get into their position and then i basically you know paint the silicone onto their body it's an interesting texture it's kind of like having frosting or glue rubbed on you so it's a little bit you know uncomfortable but it takes um, it, is, it has a pretty short working period, about six minutes um, for that to set. And then we do a couple of layers of that. And then the um, the plaster cast has a little bit longer setting period, about 20 minutes. So the whole process itself takes probably an hour from start to finish of the actual molding process. But I give about a two-hour session just so there's a little bit of extra time. What have you noticed once you finish and you have the finished product and you hand it to your customers? What what what's the reaction? How do they tend to receive what what it what that actual you know final product looks like and and um, how it resembles their what their thought and perception of their body was prior to doing this process? Yeah, it's definitely an emotional process. I think the whole experience um, too of just really being very aware of that particular part of your body for that duration of time and the unique feeling that you go through during the process from having this kind of sticky material rubbed on you and then it gets heavier and heavier until it almost like falls off. Um, and then to be able to look at it and just look at it from a very different perspective, you know, depending on the shape and size and your body type, you're, no matter, you're just not going to be able to look at it in the same way as you would 
removed from your body and in your hands. Um, and so it's kind of a magical experience to see people look at it and just kind of be in total awe of how, you know, what it looks like from kind of an outsider's perspective, but it's their own body part. And then um, the best part is when I'm able to bring people their candles and see their reaction, because that's when they can really see all the details and it, it really looks like a breast. Um, and just, yeah, just be kind of in awe of, you know, some things that maybe they didn't notice or weren't aware of. And that's really cool. Yeah. I was just going to ask that. Are, are people like surprised? Do you, do you get customers that are like, I didn't notice this about my breasts? Yeah, I think they do. And especially when they see their candles next to the other candles, then I think they really start to realize, you know, if you, most people don't see a ton of breasts up close like this. And so to be able to see all the real minute differences, um, I think that people come to kind of appreciate their own and recognize how different they really are. Yeah, I, even in just seeing um, what you create and, and have posted um, on Candle Tits website and social media pages, I've realized that there are just no two breasts alike. I mean, they're all so very different. Um, it's almost like a snowflake, right? Like there's just like no other version of this like yours. It's it's truly different, despite the fact that there are bra sizes that are obviously, you know, like uni universal, right? I mean, you, you assume that, okay, if I'm a 34C, then another 34C is, is just like mine. And then you probably do this process and realize, not necessarily, like the, the cup size is just like one of the elements that make your breast what it is. Totally. And I think the, the bra and lingerie industry is challenging because they have to be able to mass produce, but we're all so different. And so there are some newer brands out there that are trying to accommodate, you know, even with on the same person that both of them are, I can't remember exactly what the percent, but on average breasts are a certain percent different in size on every person. Um, and so that's partially why in, when I named, so I have different names for each size. Um, and I didn't want to go with a cup size that just seemed a little bit too corporate and a little bit less, you know, on brand for me. So I named um, my sizes Bitty, Bijou, Bust, um, Bosom, and Boxum, which are all um, somewhat related to like breasts in one way or another. And they all start with the letter B, like my name. Um, so that felt a little bit more on brand than doing something like a cup size. I love that. And do you let people pick the color too, or is that you? Um, yeah, people can, so when they do custom molds, then they get to pick whatever colors they want for their candles. But when I sell them, they, um, like I've been doing a couple events lately and it's, it's funny to see people who they struggle between which shape they want and which color they want. Um, so I removed scent in there cause that was just too many factors I think for people. And a lot of people don't burn them anyway. So I'm able to keep my prices lower if I don't add scent to them, but I, I can if people want them to. Um, but I think, yeah, color and shape both have a pretty big factor when people decide. Yeah. It's cool that you get to choose, um, so many different aspects of, of the the process and so when you're when you're selling them are they um based on other people that you've done moldings from because you're doing custom for someone who wants their own right and then the ones that you sell out in in stores and and whatnot um are, are they they're they're done from real people you know yep so i have some very great friends who helped me kind of start out i really wanted to make sure i had a solid process before i started you know, opening my business out to the public. I wanted to 
you know, mesh out any kinks that I could find, any errors, and just really have a solid process before I brought it out to people and started charging people. So, um, and a lot of my friends just wanted a couple of candles to keep for themselves and then were happy to donate their candles um, to my business or to their molds to my business. But I do offer two for custom molding sessions I offer um, different price points, a lower price point. Um, people then can allow me to keep their mold and I'll be able to sell candles from their mold in order to make up some of the cost. Um, so then it's a little less expensive when you get a custom molding session, but then I'm able to make up that cost by selling candles from their mold. Yeah. We see, I know that like lately you've been out and about, um, get going to events, going to different places and um, stores and, and getting your, your products out there. What have you noticed about reactions from strangers who are seeing your product for the first time, seeing the candles and, um, and kind of going, huh, what is this? And, and then realizing exactly what it is. What, what's the reaction that you've seen out there? Yeah, it's such a range and that's definitely my favorite part. I love, I've just started doing events this past month and it has been such a blast to see people's reactions and have conversations that I care a lot about. Um, I think one of the most common reactions is people are, you know, a little bit shocked, a little bit uncomfortable, but then, um, you know, particularly women like to go up and kind of pick out which one is closest to what they think theirs is. And it seems like a lot of people prefer to buy the ones that they think resemble their own bodies, which is interesting and I think makes sense. Um, but that shows um, it's really interesting to see a lot of men in particular kind of are a little bit standoffish and aren't sure. I think it's a, a little bit of an element of respect of, I don't know if this is for me, is this for me, am I allowed to enter this? Um, and so I kind of encourage them to come to me. I hold, a, hold out a candle and let them know, like, it's just wax, it's not something new, you can come and explore it because it's just as important for men and everyone to you know, be able to see these candles, not have to sexualize them and make it weird enough. We should be able to explore their curiosity, see the differences in a respectful way. I think that that's um, an opportunity to yeah gain respect around breasts in a way that doesn't have to be you know sexualized. Yeah, and that's been such a you know for the longest time in society, breasts are they've served one purpose in in media it's to be sexualized right and and sexualizing um specifically women and that's that's the connotation that you make immediately when you when you're looking in pop culture and the media in in anything um so i would imagine that a business like this is kind of like challenging that status quo with with what what the what what that means for for somebody um how do you feel like you're your business is playing a factor in um, body, body positivity. Have you kind of seen that already take effect with, with what you're doing out there? Yeah, I think a lot of it is personal for people and a lot of it is something that I will never see. But um, I think that I see a lot of struggle too of, of different people who either say, oh, my breast is too small. I would have a tea light. Like I could never do that. It would just look ridiculous. Or on the other side, my breasts are too big. You would never have enough wax for that, like possible. And so I, there's a lot of body challenges out there that, you know, every time it breaks my heart where I'm like, no, you are welcome in this community, regardless of gender, your breast size, like, please, like, I want you to experience this and see how beautiful your breasts are and that they belong in this community. Um, 
but I do see people who, you know, they get excited about it and they have a lot of fun with it. And so I'm not sure how much of an impact I make on individual people, but some of the conversations I have at events around censorship and um, yeah, just being welcoming to differences in bodies. I hope that people take that with them and kind of explore their curiosity beyond me, um, but it's hard to measure. Yeah, you also mentioned that you do this for uh, people who might be undergoing surgery, uh, you know, especially ahead of uh, a breast cancer specific surgery. And I know you mentioned that you've you've got some customers there. What has that experience been like? I, I obviously, imagine it's an emotional process for them. Um, but what have you noticed about that experience? What do you feel like this, the, the candle molding sessions gives them going into that kind of surgery or, or process? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Um, breast cancer is just, it's, it's so common now. It's so common and it's surprisingly common for people who are in their twenties and thirties and, um, and it's scary. And so, you know, there's no real positive way to spin breast cancer. There's just not, but I think that these candles and these custom molding sessions give, you know, I'm able to give these people a very small memento in this really challenging period of their life where they're able to keep something that they're not, you know, that's being taken away from them, essentially. Um, and, you know, I know that there are a lot of people go out there trying to have a positive spin on it to ta-ta parties or, you know, breast going away parties of some sort. Um, and so there is, you know, there are some similar um, experiences out there of trying to take a top positive spin on breast cancer, but it is challenging and I want to be there for the community, but I also don't want to, you know, push my business on anyone. So it's a, I try to find a nice balance of just being informative, but, um, you know, being aware that this isn't for everyone and maybe it's not the right time and place for certain people and that's totally okay, but um, for some people, it is just some small light during a really difficult time. Is there a particular customer that you had an experience that just stuck with you that really resonated and made you feel like, yep, what I'm doing here is it's meaningful, it's purposeful? Um, any sort of like inspirational takeaways and stories that you, you'd be willing to share? Yeah, I think most recently um, I had a woman who reached out about two weeks ago and she was having her double mastectomy on um, in two weeks, so on Monday, so two days ago. And um, I my schedule has been crazy with work and with um, and with the markets that I've been doing. But like, no matter what's going on in my life, and I've thought about this, like nothing in my life could compare to what it's like to be going through breast cancer. And if I have to like miss work or miss an event or whatever, to me, the most important thing was to, you know, do these molding sessions. So we did molding set one molding session and unfortunately the mold didn't quite turn out right. And so we had to quick try to squeeze in a second molding session, which turned out very well, which was great, um, but was pretty stressful. And, um, you know, during that session, I'm with them. I'm kind of like a hairdresser in a, in a way in that 
I'm able to chat with them during this session. You know, we're doing something of having some stranger come to your house and put some silicone on your breast. Um, and so we're able to share stories and kind of talk about, you know, what's going on. And she, it's only been a few months since she learned that she would need a hospital mastectomy. And so very, very quickly for her and a number of people, the world is just turned upside down and it's, it's hard. Um, and yeah, it's just, you want, I, I want to be there to help. I want to be there to do anything, that I can, but there's the only thing I can do is these sessions. Um, and so day on Sunday, the day before her double mastectomy, I got some candles quick done and made, and I brought them over to her and it was, it was emotional to see her unpackage the candles and, um, you know, kind of to see them right before she was about to have them taken away. Um, so that was very just emotional for me too, um, but definitely for her. And it was a rewarding experience and is a, you know, another reminder of why what I'm doing, I believe is really important and um, benefiting certain people out there. Yeah. What an incredible keepsake um, to be able to have. Because like you said, after, after you know, knowing that you're going to lose this part of you, but now you, you've kind of created this, this sort of um, evergreen thing that they can keep that reminds them of, of, you know, their, their body before they underwent something so, you know, complicated and, and intense, but necessary. So uh, I just think that's just so crazy cool. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about just launching a business in of itself. Um, and what that's kind of been like, it's, I know that as a fellow business owner, someone who just launched her own thing, I, it's been really difficult, you know, to kind of get the ball rolling and make a lot of sacrifices up front. So curious to hear what your process has been like. How, do, how did you get started? And how did you start to like build your inventory up to a place where you felt comfortable? Like, okay, I'm, I'm seeing sales, I'm seeing consistent business, and I can see this being a sustainable thing for me. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure if I'm quite even there yet. Um, it's been candles. It's kind of been it's been a, a side business, a side passion project of mine for about two years now. So when I have time for it, I, I'll do it. But if I don't, then I'm okay with you know shutting down my website for even a few months while I'm working on other things in my life or just needing to take a break. Um, it wasn't really until probably this past few months that I really wanted to focus on it. Um, life slowed down in other areas, and so. I really made a push, found a new wax vendor, really figured out, um, which required refiguring out my molding or my candle making process. Um, and then I just started reaching out to a bunch of different stores and kind of growing my Instagram and going to events and just, so right now I'm kind of in a big push zone to see if I can make it more sustainable. For the, for the past year, I've basically just been barely able to pay my bills for my business. So like for my website, my LLC, my insurance, all those kind of basic things that I have to pay on a monthly basis. Um, and so I'd like to be able to grow it from there because there's so many areas that I want to expand in and can see the business growing into. Um, but I can't invest any more of my personal money into that. And so first, you know, I got to really focus on sales. Um, I'd love to do more custom molding sessions too, because I love just getting to know people and hearing their stories. Whereas the candle making process, I think I've gotten to a point that I'm ready to 
um, outsource that to a local to another local candle making business because um, I don't, as I mentioned earlier, don't love candles and don't love making them. <laughs> so I would like to focus All on the more interesting because I'm like, when you first said that, I was like, you don't like candles, but you started a candle business. But it makes sense because based on what you saw and and how it relates back to, to breasts, like the wick being the nipple, I never would have even put that together. That said, I love candles. I like candles all the time. So like the, this is something that would be up my alley, but it's, I just think it's so interesting that you took something, it's not something you hear from business owners, right? Like usually they're like, I'm so passionate about candles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and so I have a question for you. If you were to get yeah. one, would you, and people, I'm surprised at the different answers I get, but would you burn it? I think I would like to get one to burn and one to keep. I think okay. that's how I would do it. Yeah. And I might actually even take you up on it sometime. But I, um, yeah, I, I just, I think it'd be cool to, to see what it looks like when, when you're burning that kind of a candle. Yeah, it's unique. You have to be careful. I do have specific warning labels because they are, you know, it's an open candle. It's an open flame. So you do need to put it yeah. on some kind of flames resistant um, surface, but they are really beautiful when they burn. I will say that because it's an open flame, it's different than something that's in a container. Um, so it really brightens up a room in a different way from other candles. Um, and they're a little bit unpredictable in how they'll burn just because breasts are different where the, the wick is placed is slightly different on each of them because every single one is handmade. Um, but, but it is, it's different from other candles, which is kind of cool. And I've never owned a candle like that. Cause I usually like, I, I, I buy candles to burn them. So I buy the ones that come in, you know, the, the jars or whatever, the containers, um, and, and kind of leave it at that. So I've never tried an open wax candle, but this is, this is one that I would like want to see. And I would want to see how it burns. Like, you know, I, I, I try to pay attention to the ones I do have and they like they'll start to like, like cave in the middle, like some of them. And then some of them it's, it's like from the outward in, and I'm like, this is just, it's just so interesting to see how those all, you know, end up burning. But this one in particular would be interesting to see. So yeah, one well, part of that too is because um, the wick sizes can be different. So the type of wicks that you have, the type of wick that you have, and the diameter of it change. And so that'll change how the candle's going to burn. Um, I try to use a smaller wick just so it doesn't disrupt the nipple as much. But um, yeah, that's partially why they kind of burn inwards on my candles versus burning evenly like other candles do. Yeah. And I had that if I want, if I get one to burn, I would want that to be scented. Cause I think for me, that's probably one of the bigger purposes. Like I like the fragrance that brings to the room. And so, um, yeah, I think that's what I would do. What have you noticed about your customers? Do they want to pretty much just buy it to, as a keepsake or do they end up burning them? Yeah, I think it's a mix. Um, I was surprised. I didn't think anyone would burn them at all because the second you light it, it's just kind of a blob of wax. Once the nipple's gone, then it's just a round piece of wax. Wow. Um, but, you know, if you want to burn it, that's better business for me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a mix. I think probably my guess would be the majority of people don't burn them just because they're a little bit more of a novelty item. Um, but um, I do also have beeswax. So if people want to burn them, I recommend the beeswax because um, it's a cleaner burn. The wax, the recycled wax I use is paraffin. And so 
particularly for people who have like allergies or medical issues, um, they would probably want to go with the beeswax just because it's a cleaner burn. Um, and I actually really, for the first time I've ever lit a candle, I love the smell of the beeswax ones. It's a really subtle, like sweet kind of natural smell. Um, they have a much longer burn time. I do use a larger wick for those. So they burn and last longer. Um, but those ones, if people are wanting to burn them, that's what I encourage them to go with. They are a little bit more expensive, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, that's why I end up spending so much as much as I do on candles, because I'm like, I want, if I want, I'm going to get something with fragrance in it. I want it to be, you know, one smells really good, but two, I want it to fill the room. Otherwise it's just pointless. Like yeah. then I might as well get one that's not scented at all and light it just because I want to light it. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, we fortunately now have electricity, so we don't need to burn candles for light, but <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But I especially love it this time of year too, because like with the Christmas lights and everything, like I put candles out everywhere and it just adds a little bit more to the whole seasonality and experience. So, totally. which reminds me that it, this probably makes a really great gift for the holiday season. So those who are considering giving this as a gift, whether it's the, the custom molding process or just picking up a candle, where can they find you? Yeah, so I have my website. Um, website is best just but for most small businesses because we you know get 100% of the proceeds um, uh, or sales. I also sell in eight different stores, I think now, uh, mostly in the Midwest. So I have uh, three stores here in Chicago, so Raw Edge and Lincoln Square, um, and then in Wicker Park and Andersonville Gallery in Andersonville, and then Minneapolis, I have a store, Appleton, Wisconsin, Seattle, and Naperville, I believe are all the stores I'm in. So um, and you can also message me on Instagram, but I do ship um, like worldwide, so. That's awesome. How did you land in all those stores? Like how do you get into some of those out of state stores? Yeah, honestly, quite a few of them have reached out to me. Some of them are people that I was, you know, friends with from college or friends of friends, that kind of, but other ones I'm not sure. I think that Probably hashtags on Instagram is probably a good way they found me just by searching things like Chicago artist or Chicago maker, things like that. Um, but I am curious to find a lot of people, um, how they find out about me. Like yesterday, one woman I talked to about doing a custom molding session, she mentioned, I asked her how she found out about me. And she said that um, I think it was like her pastor, her male pastor who had somehow heard about me and was recommending my business to them, which is kind of funny. Wow. Look at you. <laughs> you have now entered the uh, the market of, of um, pastors. Just <laughs> know. know about you. That's amazing. <laughs> the word is spreading. It's getting out there. The gospel of candle tit. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, and once you've seen them, they're so unique that I run into people all the time and I have a candle tit mask um, and a scarf that I wear sometimes. And so people will recognize me. And so sometimes I feel like a little bit of a celebrity sometimes here in Chicago when people recognize my candles, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's mind blowing. I, yeah, I bet that's really cool. Like your business is getting out there and that's, it's all through just like social media marketing, right? Like that's what you've been mostly focused on. Yeah. Even though my main job is in search engine optimization, I've not done any of that for my business. It's all been through, um, yeah, social media. And then the markets have been a really big opportunity to meet people and kind of showcase my work too. I love that. This is this is why I mean this is one of the great parts about social media, like the power of it, being able to get 
you know, small businesses out there and, and expand. So that's awesome. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to ask you, because we, we mentioned it in the intro, you're getting your um, pilot's license, which is so cool. How's that going? How's that process going so far? Yeah, so I always wanted to be a pilot. Um, my dad's a pilot. And so in uh, early 20, actually, right after I started Candles Hit, um, December of 2019, I went and did a discovery flight where you just kind of go up in a small single engine plane and check it out and see what it's like to fly a plane. And I was sold. And so I made plans with my company to move back home uh, to Colorado to fly with my dad for the summer and get my license. Um, and then I ended up getting let go because of COVID and everything. So I just completely moved back home, cut my lease, um, spent about four or five months working on it. And I got my private pilot's license in um, October of 2020. And then just this past October, I worked on my second level of rating, which is your instrument rating. So now I'm able to fly in the clouds, which is pretty cool. Um, and I can fly above 18,000 feet. So um, after this point, I need to just kind of work on building hours um, to get towards my commercial license. And then once I get my commercial license, I can fly for money, um, which is kind of cool. So I can give aerial tours of the city here in Chicago. Um, and then after that, I'll work towards my instructor's license, which um, I'm really excited about because I want to be able to bring aviation to more young women who probably don't you know, have exposure to aviation. Um, I think that's the biggest factor is if you don't know about that world, then you're not going to get involved in it. And um, still to this day, only about 7% of pilots are female. So it is, that means 93% of pilots are male. So ladies, when you get out there, talk to me. Um, when I get my commercial license, we can go for a ride um, around the city. And um, yeah, I encourage everyone, but especially women, go do a discovery flight, check it out and See what it's like to be a pilot. If it's, you know, even after the discovery flight, you'll know if it's for you or not. And so, yeah. Super cool. Full disclosure, I hate flying. <laughs> I'm not a good flyer. So I, I would probably wouldn't never do it because if you see me on planes, you would you would see that I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm I have like high anxiety, I'm a mess. Um, and it's mostly due to uh sickness. Like I get um I get, I get sick, most sickness across the board, like whether I'm, I'm on the water, so seasick, airsick, all of it. Um, and so now, no matter what, like I enter a plane and my mind has already gone there. Like I'm going to get sick. And that's, end up, that's that ends up happening. And my, my parents are like, well, you're putting it in your head before you even, you know, start flying, which is true. I just don't know how to undo that. So. Yeah, that is yeah. challenging. I have heard some people, if you're in a small plane, it's different. I don't know if you would get motion sickness. Some people do, but at least then you kind of have, con you know, I think having control over the controls gives a little bit more of that, you know, helps with motion sickness. Um, and also maybe even just like kind of understanding a little bit better of what's going on can kind of reduce, even if there's like a, a level of fear in there, it can reduce that too. But I totally see where you're coming from. I know there is something to that because I've noticed that I used to get it in cars too when I'm a passenger, but when I drive, I don't feel a thing. It's really weird that I, like I, if I'm driving, I will not get sick. If I'm a passenger and we're on a, like a long road trip, I tend to get like nauseous and a little dizzy and stuff. So maybe, maybe I should try to fly myself and see what happens, but, um, it's just it's so cool that you decided to to do this and um i had no idea that only seven percent of pilots are currently women 
Um, I know that you you said that part of it is just not knowing that's an option. Do you feel like that's like the biggest factor as to why there are not that many female pilots? Yeah, and I think um, having mentors is a big factor too, and just being able to see female pilots. If you don't, for a lot of people, if you don't see people in certain roles, then you don't, and you're a certain gender, then you don't necessarily think of yourself as being able to to do that, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really important to go out and talk with girls and just show like, hey, I'm a female pilot. When you think of a pilot, you don't have to necessarily think of a man. Um, and, you know, I'm not a female pilot, I'm just a pilot and that's, you know, that's my title. So, yeah, I think exposure is a big part of it. And I think too, in a lot of small towns, people, flying is expensive. So a lot of people don't ever get to fly. And in the US, driving is the predominant form of public transportation for a lot of people in small towns. And so if you drive everywhere and you're an adult, it's pretty scary to go flying for the first time when you're an adult, you know, like to go in this big metal box and not really know what's going on. That's intimidating. Um, and so I think that that's another limiting factor. Yeah. Well, hopefully that stat changes along with many others, because this is not the only industry that um, is like lacking that kind of diversity, right? We've, we know that there are so many from STEM, aviation obviously being one of them, um, politics, like, I mean, you name it, there's still a lot of, uh, there's a huge gap in, in participation and in, in wages, everything in an education access. So one step at a time. It takes people like you, Bailey, and so I'm. I'm so grateful that um, you're doing that. You're you're doing this incredible business that's clearly uh, creating an impact on on your customers. And so I can't wait to see it continue to grow. And I'm so thankful that you joined me today to share a little bit about the business and your story. So thank you. Well, thank you. I love what you're doing with the Quell, and I can't wait to hear season two. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. And on that note, um, this is, like I said, end of season one. And I'm so grateful for everyone who's tuned in so far. I hope you'll join us again. We're going to launch season two in 2022. So stay tuned. There's more inspiration coming your way. Um, excited to bring on more bold guests who are doing incredible things and challenging the status quo with their work. So stay tuned. In the meantime, happy holidays. I wish you an incredible new year. And I can't wait to uh, chat with you all again. Take care. Hey, it's me again. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you did, please subscribe to the show on your favorite streaming service so that you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, be sure to follow The Quo on social media at The Quo Media across all platforms for the latest and greatest. Thanks again for joining, supporting, and uplifting The Quo community, or as I like to call it, our cohort. Catch you next time.